on air, online, on Twitter. Jennifer Campbell is always on. Unfiltered, opinionated, and ready to speak her mind at a moment's notice. This is the Jennifer Campbell Show on 570 News and Rogers TV Cable 20. Now, special guest host, Jeff Pickle. No, there ain't nothing that I gotta prove. You think your words will make me black and blue. Good morning. Welcome to the Jennifer Campbell Show. Jeff Pickle here filling in for Jennifer. I'll be in all week. Jennifer rounds out the last of her uh, summer vacation. She'll be back at it next week. Monday morning, 9 o'clock. Happy to be with you here this morning, though. Had an excellent weekend. What another nice, warm, beautiful weekend. How many more of those can we squeeze in this summer? But speaking of warm, I was telling uh, technical producer Paul Harriet that was a little warm. It was a little cold in here to start with, and I found it cold the last couple days when I come in. I'm the first one in this studio, so I've been throwing the jacket on and just gutting it out. It's all right. And then Paul said, well, why don't you just... The thermostat's there. Why don't you just turn up the heat? So I said, I, I don't know. I didn't think we were supposed to touch that. I, I, we, like, you know, I, one of those things. I'm not, you know, I'm not on the facility sides of things. I was told, you know, I'll turn on and off the lights, but I'm not going to touch the thermostat. And here we go. The temperature is quickly rising now past 23 degrees in here. So I don't know what you set it at, but like we're getting to a point where now the shivers are definitely gone and might start sweating soon. I bumped it up like a degree and a half. It can't be that traumatic. I'm looking at it and it's just like 23.2 now. Mm. When before we went to the news, like the last, as we were rounding out the business section of uh, 570 News, it was was at 22.7 or something like that. So we're on our way up. I don't know how high this thing can go, but... Let's maybe that might be an interesting experiment well, for the I'm, show today. I'm worried. I've got about a sip and a half of water left, so Paul might have to come in here and drag me out into the into bring some water in and splash it on my face if I if I pass out. So if I start to drift a little bit later on, it's because Paul Harriet messed with the thermostat. I was fine just to put the jacket on. So we'll see how that goes. That's a little experiment today. And we do have a great show today. So let's hope I can stay hydrated and uh, not overheat and make our way through it. Uh, a little bit later on, we're going to be talking with uh, some of the folks from Kwanzaa, uh, Kwanzaa's Transit. And uh, they're one of their uh, pilot program bringing buses out to... Uh, to Elmira. So we're going to chat about that. That's a cool uh, thing they're, they're running down there, and it's going to be a six-month pilot project. We're going to hear a little bit more about that. But off the top, one of the topics that we've been discussing a fair bit here on the Jennifer Campbell Show and certainly on the Mike Farwell Show as well, there's a special meeting Tonight at 6 o'clock at the Waterloo Region District School Board, they're hosting this meeting to discuss some of the hot-button issues that have affected the schools and school boards over the summer. Several announcements from the PCs at Queen's Park have made an impact on local schools, some of those issues, like 
the one we talked about most here, uh, the sex ed curriculum have not been fully resolved. Right now, school boards across Ontario are struggling to determine what will be taught in the classroom come September 4th, not too long away. Uh, they could be also one of the topics is they could be out millions of dollars for repairs after the cap and trade program was scapped. Here to discuss with me what's going to be uh, talked and discussed, uh, what's going to be discussed at tonight's meeting is Scott McMillan, the board chair of the Waterloo Region district school board scott thanks so much for joining me thanks for having me jeff i appreciate it so uh, what is the point of tonight's meeting uh the point of tonight's meeting is a couple fold and and first of all it it sounds really exciting special meeting um the special refers more to the schedule than the content so it might not be as exciting as it sounds uh right off the hop um but the the point of tonight's meeting is is really twofold. It's an opportunity for trustees to discuss amongst themselves how we want to handle the situation that we find ourselves in. And and two, and maybe more importantly, an opportunity for staff to kind of update us on what they've been doing to prepare for September, uh, given all the announcements that have been made. So you mentioned that the, the word special, it might not be quite as, as exciting as, as it sounds, but is this something that, that's rare to have a meeting like this uh, before, the, before the school year and having to discuss some very specific issues? Usually we leave um, a Monday night in the summer open. Um, we ask trustees to schedule it in their calendar in case something comes up through the summer that we need to deal with before the school year. And in my three years, I think we've had the meeting once and we've canceled it twice because nothing came up. This is a little bit different because we bumped it up another week. Um, There was a little bit more urgency and I think there was a need for us to make a public statement that we were taking this a little bit more seriously than the things that have happened in the past. But generally for us to have a meeting outside of our regularly scheduled meetings, it's not that it's not that uncommon. And the school board put out a statement uh, in July, again, uh, talking about the, the sex ed curriculum particularly. Uh, and that statement read, uh, as we deliver curriculum approved and set out by the ministry, our educators are committed and able to meet curriculum expectations while creating safe and accepting environment where all students can learn and achieve. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, the, the big question is whether or not teachers will be allowed to use the updated curriculum, not kind of explicitly saying it, but seemingly it seems to say that they'll teach the curriculum plus anything else that might come up uh, that may have been in the 2015 updates. Is that is that a, an accurate uh, reflection of what that statement was saying? Yeah, I think so. I think it, it talks about the flexibility that exists within a school day, within a curriculum one, but then within a school day as well. And I think you've seen things that have um, really focused on some of the things that were in the 2015 curriculum that maybe have been, uh, that wouldn't be in the 1998 curriculum, um, affirming, affirming identity. You know, there's, there's ways that we can do that outside of uh, health and physical education curriculum. Things like um, gay-straight alliances, raising the pride flag, uh, gender-neutral um, accessible washrooms. There's things that we can do that exist outside of specific curriculum that allow us to uh, really live up to our strategic plan, which says that our students are first each and every one, and to create 
spaces that are safe for all of our students and validate the lived experiences of all of our students. So, so that statement is really saying, you know, the ministry sets the curriculum and, and we're going to deliver the curriculum that they set out. But inside of having these kids at school for 10 months of the year and for, for full days all year, uh, we can continue to deliver on our strategic plan, and we can continue to provide safe places for our students. And you mentioned one of the, the, the purposes of this meeting was to hear from the other trustees and from staff at the school board as well. Is there any indication of uh, what you may be hearing from from staff and from the other members of the board? Well, the big one from staff is so far um, all that I'm aware of coming from the ministry is is a few public statements and that's really not enough for staff to go into september um and and deliver a full curriculum so there needs to be a formal direction from the ministry for our staff in order to move forward so so we're interested to hear an update from staff about what communication has happened between the ministry and staff that's a big opportunity at tonight's meeting and then yes the opportunity for all trustees to speak with one voice, because that statement, um, because of the timely nature of what was required, it was a statement that was delivered by myself and the director of education, John Bryant, but there really should be a a statement made by trustees. I, I am the chair, but I'm still just one trustee, and one trustee has really no power. Uh, so it's important for all trustees to have the opportunity to speak, have the opportunity to hear from staff, and then for us to collectively as a group decide how we want to proceed. And has there been, have you heard much dissenting views, people thinking the opposite, that the it's a, it's a, it's a situation where whatever the curriculum is by the letter should be the one taught in, in schools and that anything outside of that is, is, is an overstep by teachers and, and we should really be following a hard line of what the, what the curriculum says is, if it is the 1998 version. I, it wouldn't be really appropriate for me to have those conversations with trustees away from the board table. Um, some trustees, in an effort to schedule the special meeting, expressed some concern with what they had heard publicly. Um, but once we get to the point of having a special meeting scheduled, then that's the place for those for those concerns to be raised. So I haven't heard that, but then I'm not, it it wouldn't be appropriate for me to have those conversations. So I I can't speak for the other trustees and and that's some of the stuff that we'll find out tonight. And there are some uh, other conversations, uh, other things on the list uh, as well that you'll be discussing. Some, you know, didn't quite catch the headlines as much as the sex ed curriculum, but one of the things on the agenda is changes to the school retrofit and energy efficiency funding, and uh, that funding was lost due to the the scrapping of the cap-and-trade program. As I understand it, there was a potential loss of $1.6 million this year for school repairs and and retrofitting. Is there any update on, on where we stand with that? I, I haven't received an update as of yet, and that's sort of what this meeting is for tonight. Um, hopefully I'll have more news for you after the meeting tonight. Um, this meeting is scheduled just to get that information, and, and the meeting is the appropriate place for that information to be delivered. So I'm not aware of any updates that staff have, but uh, I'm looking forward to hearing it tonight. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be paying attention to that because the understanding was as well that any contracts already signed or anywhere we were, there was um, 
anything that was already in the works prior to that announcement was still on the go. So, you know, potentially some, hopefully some <laughs> things were signed for and, and not all that money's lost, but uh, clearly, you know, moving ahead in, in years in the future, this is going to be a significant issue. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's double fold because that money is spent um, in a manner that saves us money on energy costs. So you lose, you know, the 1.4 million, whatever that number is, but then you also lose the additional savings year over year. So, yeah, it, it's a sword that cuts twice, um, and it's disappointing to lose that and, and to have less efficient schools. Uh, but we've got a really skilled staff, and, and I'm confident that they'll find a way to uh, do the best that they can with, with what they're given. And, and the final thing on the list was the um, Indigenous curriculum, within, where the news there was that the writing sessions for that curriculum were canceled over the summer. Uh, an update, or are, are you hoping to learn more about that tonight? Yeah, that one was really uh, disappointing for a lot of people. And it wasn't just a writing session, it was actually curriculum development. Um, so half of the Indigenous curriculum had been developed. Some of those workshops were going to be uh, put together to develop the other half of, of our Indigenous curriculum. So to scrap that was, was really disappointing for a lot of people. And, and it's important, um, I think, for people to understand, if we were going to have a meeting just about the sex ed portion of the changes, we could have had this meeting uh, the end of July, which would have probably been a little bit more timely for that. But it was important for trustees to also discuss the Indigenous curriculum, to also discuss the, the um, capital spending loss that we had. Um, so that's why this meeting is scheduled for August 20th instead of, you know, say, July 31st, which it could have been if it was just sex ed. Uh, the, the loss of the Indigenous curriculum was really important to a, a few trustees, and it's why we pushed the meeting back so that this could be included in the meeting tonight. And, and yeah, it's, it's disappointing. So it'll be interesting to hear what the ministry has in store for that curriculum development and and hopefully our staff will have an update for us with that tonight yeah absolutely a number of uh, interesting things certainly uh, being chatted uh, about tonight scott i thank you for your taking the time with us this morning thanks jeff i appreciate it and i appreciate you paying attention to education it's always good when people are are focused on on what's happening with their kids at school in our community. So thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. Happy to do it. Uh, once again, Scott McMillan there, a, the uh, chair, board chair of the Waterloo Region District School Board, a special meeting that's happening tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, 51 Ardent uh, Avenue or Ardent Place. Either way, where the, the school board's uh, main office is there, that's going on at 6. You can listen in to any of the uh, delegates speaking and what uh, the updates are from school board staff and from trustees as well. Your thoughts. How should teachers be entering the new school year? What type of direction do they need from the school board before going ahead? Is it a situation where, as mentioned by uh, board Chair Scott McMillan, that teachers should have some leeway or, or will be armed with a little leeway to teach some of those updated lessons of things like consent and like online safety that aren't in the 1998 curriculum. What direction would you like to see teachers 
placed and how do you feel about teachers being put in this situation two weeks before the start of the school year still not knowing curious about your thoughts we're going to be hearing a lot more of this in the next two weeks and beyond i'd like to get your thoughts on this 519-570-2545 star 570 let's go to a quick break and we'll be back with more of the jennifer campbell show right after this when extreme weather hits count on the 570 extreme weather center All right, we are back with the Jennifer Campbell Show. Jeff Pickle here sitting at the host chair for this week. We're in for a good one. Thanks so much to my guest who was on uh, to start off today's show, Scott McMillan, the board chair of the Waterloo Region District School Board. A special meeting happening tonight. To talk about uh, a few of those big ticket items that were brought up throughout the summer as news came down from Queen's Park and then rolls into our school board sex ed, the indigenous writing and curriculum drafting sessions and the money, potentially millions lost to the uh, scrapping of the cap and trade program. Uh, potentially 1.6 million this year alone could be gone, depending on how many of those contracts got signed before the announcement was made. So we'll be learning more about that uh, this evening. Of course, 570 News will have a reporter there. We'll have all those updates tomorrow morning, starting at 5 a.m. I'm curious about your thoughts, what you think uh, about this situation. I know it's one we've talked about before, but here we are two weeks to go before the first day of school and, and no clear direction on on what's going to be happening. I know the uh, some of the unions, the ETFO and the Ontario's secondary school teachers unions have both came out saying they'll support teachers who do decide to teach the updated curriculum, but what that support actually means and what could happen to teachers if they do decide to go out side of the 1998 curriculum? Is there any possible way that could affect them? Is there is there any trouble they could get in, any discipline hearings, if there's maybe complaints from parents? What, what safeguards those teachers? What potential trouble can they get in? All important questions that have not been or need to be answered, should be answered by... should be answered by the time teachers are back in school. A uh, tweet I got in saying that that interview was laughable, that a strategic plan equals go against the conservative government's decision. Okay, and that is kind of what it sounds like they're willing to do in a, in a slightly you know, subdued way, giving support if they want to teach some lessons plans. But either way, be an interesting one to uh, hear nonetheless. Again, that meeting happened at 6 tonight. Now, some other news I want to share with you that uh, a big, big news over the weekend that in this very booth sitting here is a champion. Yes. Thank you, Paul. Harry, I want to bring you to this Saturday, this afternoon, when the Waterloo County 
men's rugby team that your very own Jeff Pickle is a proud member of. And in a second sudden death overtime session, the Waterloo County men prevailed over the mighty Burlington Centaurs. It was a kick for the ages. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. UW, uh, Waterloo, University of Waterloo rugby star Paul Schrader hit a kick from nearly the sidelines to win it in dramatic fashion in the second overtime. He's a product of Waterloo Oxford High School. After nearly 100 minutes of gameplay, my boy Paul made that kick. So, yes, it was a big weekend for the Waterloo County men's rugby team. I was just happy to get off the field. 100 minutes of rugby is way too many, so I was happy Paul kicked it just so I could get off the field. Uh, And also, the U15 girls team, also provincial champions as well. So the washed-up old men team that I play on are champions, and then the bright rising star U15 girls team, champions as well. So, so many championship rugby players. Right here in Waterloo County, I want to give a congrats, particularly to the to the girls' team and their coaching staff that put in a lot of hard work. It's great to see. What a great sport. You ever interested? You ever curious about it? Look me up. I'll tell you everything you need to know. But uh, it's also why my voice is a little, a little bit coarse. Of course, from all just the shouting and celebration after the win. It was a fun weekend. Either way, okay, we got to go to a quick break here. We're going to go to the news when we come back. More bus service in Elmira. A great news. Some good news for the residents there who have trouble getting around. We're going to chat about that right after this. Making your smart speaker even smarter. Alexa, play 570 News. Playing 570 News. back with the Jennifer Campbell show here on 570 News and thanks so much if you're watching on Rogers Cable 20 appreciate it to have you along with me for the ride this morning wherever you may be listening and watching from I appreciate it a little update here on the climate control situation inside the 570 News studio uh the fear of melting early on subsided when I turned the the heat down. We started to see those numbers drop. However, it was dropping at such a rapid rate that I was concerned that we may be back to the first problem we had. So I put the heat back up a little bit. Now we're skyrocketing towards 24 degrees. So I got to figure the situation out because Mike, Mr. Farwell will not be happy if he comes in here and it's at either extreme. And right now we are 23, 23.6. So we're moving up. We're moving up. So I still, uh, I'm going to take the majority of the blame on this one. We are skyrocketing towards 24. And this is a situation I need to solve. So I'll keep you posted on whether or not we're frying eggs on the, on the control panel here inside the talk studio at 570 News. So we'll get back to that in a bit. Moving on, though. A 
Kiwanis Transit and the town of Elmira are launching a pilot project in September to help residents get around town quicker and cheaper. Starting next month, Kwanzas is offering bus service with 24 stops in town, providing a vast upgrade in service for a rural, smaller community that has been underserved for some time. I'm now happy to join uh, me on the program is the general manager of Kwanzaa's Transit, Cheryl Fisher. Cheryl, thanks so much for joining me. Cheryl, do we have you there? Okay, we may have... Oh, I'm here. Okay, never mind. We're good. Uh, crisis averted. Perfect. Thanks so much uh, for taking the time to, to join me on the program. Um, so there is some GTR, GRT rather service out to Elmira. How is this service uh, different from what's already being provided? Well, right now we have um, the um, GRT Route 21, which we've had now for nine years in town. Um, it is a, a main route that just comes right through the center area of Elmira, and it services a, a catchment area that, again, is, is very limited. Um, in the last nine years, Elmira has really seen quite an unprecedented growth. So we have um, a, a huge, a huge um, spreading of, of the community. So you figure one side of Elmira to the other side of Elmira is around a five-kilometer run. So what's happening is that GRT route, we're really not able to expand that existing conventional run because in order to take a 40-foot conventional bus and move it through smaller streets, that's just not possible in your, your small rural towns. So what we are we're looking at is the problem that we had is getting people from one side of the community to the other side, getting them to bus stops, or getting them just from our grocery stores, which are at the far end, industrial end of the community, and getting people downtown, where we also have many stores and coffee shops. So... Um, and looking at this, as well as complementing our existing transit service, Kiwanis Transit has been in Elmira for 26 years now, and um, we have a large, large clientele that are there from Elmira as well as Wilmot Township and Wellesley Township. We actually service the three rural communities, so we like to think we are a bit of the rural town specialists <laughs> yeah. when it comes to transit, and we've been here for a while. Um, so the idea was, is let's take a look at something using, you know, existing infrastructure by using our facilities. Um, we are us as a call center. Um, just to give you a, a little bit uh, more information, is Wilmot Route um, 77, which is also a unique um, rule conventional run. They run the small buses, and we are actually the call center for that flex bus. So what happens is someone will call in, and they are wanting a flex stop. So it deviates off its regular route. And this was how Wilmont Township was able to get a conventional service into a rural application. So for us, we have to keep that large bus because we have the uniqueness of St. Jacob's and the market and literally moving thousands of people, tourists and people from the city, back and forth into our south end of the township. So changing bus style was not an option. So what could be an option was by providing our own unit, um, our own small bus that can travel on a large perimeter route. It's about a 20-minute run with 24 different stops, and we're able to get people on the perimeter of Elmira, which is all our new subdivisions as well, and to get them downtown and out to um, the south end with the grocery stores and, of course, connecting to the bus stops with Route 21. So it's really filling out the picture where, as before, you could connect people from within Elmira to 
to KW and to St. Jacobs, but it's it's filling out that service within the community itself and allowing that that internal travel to happen, not just connecting with the with the larger centers. Exactly, and the great thing is, is this is for everyone. You know, for all riders, not just specialized transit riders. It's like for for everybody in the community, and and that's what what makes it really unique. And and it is free, and we are providing this service free. It's running. Uh, we're running a pilot project starting September fourth, and we're running that until March the 2nd of 2019. At this point, we're hoping to see that carried on. If successful, then we are, are very optimistic about this program carrying on. So um, we don't operate on stat holidays. I'll just mention that. But otherwise, we are operating Monday to Saturday. And you mentioned that it is a pilot project. And hopefully, if you see that success, it will turn into being a, a more permanent thing. What type of success do you think you need to see in order to, to continue this project on? Do you have rider numbers or, or will it be kind of determined as you move along? Well, what we're going to do is obviously rider numbers, but there's a couple other factors. We've got a lot of organizations, Woolwich Community Services. We have Elmira District Community Living, a huge, huge organization up here that has a tremendous amount of apartments and group homes that, that currently Qantas Transit provides transportation for locally. So for us, success isn't just numbers. Success is how many um, of our riders, Qantas Transit riders, can also start using this service. So we go from a very expensive door-to-door service to a much more inexpensive um, small, fixed, sort of a conventional run. Um, So getting feedback from these organizations and seeing how it impacts them, along with our actual stats and numbers, dollars that can be saved on on the Qantas Transit, the specialized transit end. So there's a lot of different factors that we're looking at to get statistically. And you mentioned the the funding and and the financial aspect of this. And I understand one of the one of the kind of prerequisites to get this off the ground was that it, it had to be something that it was at no cost to the region itself, who's in charge of all the of all the public transit within uh, Waterloo Region. So, how does the funding work? You said it's a, it's a free service. Where where is the ability to operate this coming from? Well, the region really, because it's something that's starting mid-year, we're within a budget year, so budgets can't, you know, be completed until we get into um, the the end of the year, into January when approvals happen. So this was a service that was starting mid-year. So um, the region gave gave approval. I mean, ultimately they have final say on transportation throughout the region of Waterloo, but they um, they approved it through Woolwich Council for, to go ahead with this. And so Qantas Transit, having been here 26 years, and we are charitable organization not for profit and we did have um, reserve funds that we that we have that are from community dollars um, that have been donated um, from the community and we thought what better way to give back to the community than to use these funds so the township we contributed forty five thousand dollars the township contributed nine plus I think an additional four thousand just for extra advertising and and a promotion uh, signage because there will be specific signs all throughout the community obviously and we have a very um, uh, specific logo to its orange Elmara bus so they'll be able to to see them quite quite easily. Uh, so that was why we decided to go with that. Again, it is mid-year. Uh, budgets were an issue, um, but it was our way to give back as well. And you mentioned it was a free service. It's going to be uh, open to anyone to, to jump on and to take it. Do you think you will get the uptake with the, the more general ridership? I know uh, Qantas is is known for providing services for those with mobility issues. Uh do you think it is something that you will see the more the more general public uh, take to within t- within the town? 
I believe so because we've had a lot of a lot of feedback that I'm getting are from people in the community that right now say are walking that two and a half kilometers to work three you know three three kilometers to work because of there's such a, um, a, a distance between our industrial area in the community and the new subdivisions where they're located. So for that reason alone, um, if you've got someone that right now is, you know, using a car to get to work or, you know, in the wintertime having a little bit more of a struggle trying to juggle getting, you know, the kids off and then getting getting to work, um, I do believe definitely. And, and high school students, youth-aged, um, you know, again, Walking to high school in the morning, if it's a stormy day, winter day, uh, they might like the comforts of having a nice little community bus versus <laughs> getting uh, having to walk all the way to school. But I am seeing a lot of people that just want to do their grocery shopping because right now, even myself, I live on the opposite end of the town. I live on the north end of the community, and when I need groceries, i got to get in the car or... I hop on my bike, but um, it's a distance. It's We just can't um, walk uptown. When you lose that downtown grocery store, you can't uh, get that produce or that meat or milk, whatever you want. Um, easily, you have to go to the south end of the community, and it's unfortunate. So for that end, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people talking about just getting back and forth to the grocery store, but also people getting that connection to Route 21, too. So in the morning, they can get there and uh, not have to have not have to have that second car just to get to the bus stop. Um, so, yeah, these these are the things that I'm hearing and uh, that I've been, you know, getting response back in the last month or so. Yeah, and it sounds great. It does really sound very, um, well, you know, tailor-made solution to a problem, you know, in, in the community and that, that internal transit that that is tough. It's tough to do for small towns, but certainly, um, you know, the, the way that you say that Elmira's kind of laid out, it, it does make sense and it is a, a great benefit and hopefully the uptake is there to make it something that uh, lasts, lasts longer than the six months proje- um, pilot project and we'll be able to, uh, you know, help the community out in, in years to come. So it's all about being made in Woolwich. It's like that's the one thing I found working with specialized um, is that every specialized transit is unique in how it serves its community. The same thing with conventional. Wilmot's doing a flex route um, to service their community. We're running a community bus. Everyone has sort of unique ways to deal with their rural you know, situation. It's so different. The urban area, it's great. You know, you have a bus stop every 100 meters. We don't have that luxury. We have a main run in, 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 uh, in a very specific catchment area. But other than that, you've got to come up with a way of getting people to that catchment area. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you guys have a, uh, found that way. And uh, I appreciate you for taking the time to come on the show. And best of luck with that pilot project. Again, starting uh, September, if people want to find more information, how can they do so? Actually, they can visit our website, uh, www.k-transit.com, or they can give us a call here as well at the transit office. Um, the township website also has our link. Uh, they can give us a call at 519-669-4533. Our staff here is more than happy to help them out through this uh, this process. Okay, Cheryl, thanks again. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank you. All right, thanks. Once again, Cheryl Fisher, she is the... That's a good question. What is Cheryl? She's the general manager of Qantas Transit. And, and it hit me as soon as I started saying it when we were starting the, the program. I'm, I'm like, I'm not saying this word right. I'm not saying Qantas right. I think I was saying Kwanzas. I don't know. But I apologize to, to Cheryl and everyone involved and to anyone listening who was like, who is this idiot who can't say Qantas? Qantas Transit 
offering bus service uh, within Elmira. Very cool uh, that that's happening. Pilot project starting in September. Hopefully the uptakes there. You know, public transit within smaller rural communities is difficult. It's a it's a tough thing to do just because of the the you know pool of riders is, is small, but certainly uh, very very needed in time. So hopefully they can get that uh, off the ground and running, and will continue to run in the community beyond the six month pilot project. So thanks again for Cheryl for chatting with us about that. Okay, after the break. I want to get the phone lines burning up here, and I think, I have a feeling, judging by the calls we usually get on topics such as this, it's just might get you dialing. So it's official. If you weren't sure, Justin Trudeau has declared he will run in the next election. There you go. The breaking news we have this morning. I'm sure there's a lot of people not, not sure. Is, is the current sitting prime minister... Going to run? Will Trudeau run again? Well, now we know, yes, indeed, he will run. So the table is set. The election is still a long ways away, but we know who's going to be at the dance floor. We know who's going to be at the ring. Curious to get your thoughts. If the election today was today, how do you think it would shake out? Not necessarily. Definitely want to hear your opinion. Not necessarily who you want to win, but how you think things will check out, which sometimes uh, is two very different things. Curious about your thoughts on that. 519-570-2545 or star 570 or 1-800-570-5715. You give us a call. Let's take a quick break. Back with more of your calls right after this. Take flight with Canada's team. I want to fly. Follow the Toronto Blue Jays through all 162. That's way out of here! Every walk-off hit, every game-saving catch, every heart-pounding strikeout. 570 News, your home for Toronto Blue Jays baseball. Welcome back to the Jennifer Campbell Show. Thanks again to my last guest, Cheryl Fisher, the general manager of Qantas Transit. Getting those buses up and running in the town of Elmira starting in early September for the next six months. And if everything goes well, if people are riding, just might stick around. So that would be cool to see. Okay, before we took the break, I wanted to hear your thoughts now that we know it's official that Justin Trudeau will be running in the next election, happening next fall, that we know who's going to be on the dance floor. We know it's going to be JT. We know Andrew Scheer, Jagmeet Singh, the three main party candidates. Do the Greens make any pushes? We saw a big breakthrough for the Greens in Ontario. They continue to do well in BC, also having some success in PEI. Maybe this is a year the Greens make a bit of a breakthrough across the country, getting a few more members elected. Right now, just looking at the numbers sitting in Parliament, 183 Liberal members to 97 Conservative for 42 New Democrats. 
It's really interesting as well that, I mean, Justin Trudeau is a young prime minister, but now he's the, the oldest in the race with, with Jagmeet Singh and, and Andrew Scheer. And I have to look it up again, but is he like 39 or 40? Like he's young. Might look a bit older than Trudeau. He's got a little more conservative haircut. Which I know the hair, the hair always fires people up. For those calling in uh, and offering uh, criticism for our president, hair is usually something that's uh, stated during it. Hair and selfies are the two uh, are the two two go to more frivolous things that are that are brought up in criticism. Some of those criticisms very real, very warranted. Maybe hair, maybe selfies aren't, but hey. Who am I to say? It's funny. The one time I was at a, a uh, it was in a, Andrew Shear was in town uh, not too long after being named the leader of the federal conservative party and doing some pictures after. And it was a hand your phone to a staffer and take a picture with Mr. Shear. But it was not, there was not, selfies weren't happening. If you, if you are the non-selfie candidate, which Andrew Shear is. You can't be seen in a bunch of selfies through social media. So you hand your phone over to one of the staffers. They take the picture. And that's really, I mean, I've talked before about how much I dislike selfies. It's a better picture if you get someone to take it for you. It's a, the picture turns out better. And, hey, there's a little bit of human interaction. Hey, excuse me. Will you take this picture for me? You're engaging with the public. I think I've gotten a little off track here, what we started to talk about. But phone lines are open, 519-570-2545. We have Darren on the line. Darren, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I think Trudeau will win again. Um, I don't really like him, but then I don't really like most politicians. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and In fairness to them, I think it comes with the territory of their job. Eh? Like, you know, it's, but here's the thing that's going to happen. In the months leading up to the election... The media coverage of Justin Trudeau will change and become much more favorable. The conservatives will be painted as racist, and they will scream, don't vote for the NDP or the conservatives will win. That's the battle plan. It always is. Whether it'll work or not this time, we'll have to wait and see. And you, you said you don't particularly like like any. You're not, a, you're not a huge fan of politicians in general, which is understandable. Out of this race there, who, who do you like? Or, or uh, dislike the least, I suppose. I, I, think, I think what I have to say at this point, the jury's still out with me. I'll have to start paying more attention as we get closer to the election. I don't tend to vote on party lines. I tend to vote who I think would be best for the country. And during my life at the federal and provincial levels, I voted for all three parties at one time or another. So yeah. I, I'm not a die. I think most people aren't diehard conservative or liberal. I, I really do. I, I think most people aren't like firmly entrenched in one camp or the other. But unfortunately, we live in a society today. If you have a liberal view on one topic, you're called names. If you have a conservative view on another topic, you're called names. So more and more people aren't 
um, expressing their views on anything anymore. Yeah, you know, it is sad to see. You know, we see such vast polarization south of the border, and it, it might not be as extreme here, but you definitely notice that that gap between the parties widening, at least in the way that the supporters talk about. You know, the the people in in the who support the other parties. Well, yeah, and that's true. And I, I think I'm like most people when I say, you know, on some issues my views may tend to be liberal and on some they may tend to be conservative. But I think most people are like that. But yeah. nowadays, if you have a conservative view on any topic, you're a right-wing neocon. And if you have a liberal view on any topic, you're a tree-hugging snowflake. Right. Right? Like, yeah. like it's just, it, we've, the discourse, the discourse in this country, I hope it never gets as bad as it is in the United States, but I, I see it moving in that direction, and it's sad because now we can't discuss anything. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Darren, and I appreciate your point of view, and I, and I appreciate your, your comments. Thanks uh, for, for phoning in. Thanks. All right, have a good one, Darren. I, I, and I think he's absolutely right. I, you know, there, and, and it does go both ways. There, there's very legitimate points of view on both sides, and you do you get labeled and you get put in a certain in a certain bin if you if you come out with a a particular conservative view or a particular liberal view and i mean there are also you know who is it for me to say but bad points of view on either side and you should be rightly criticized it's just finding that that line of of you know not all conservative points of view make you as as Darren said you know kind of a neocon far right wing guy and not all liberal points of view make you you know the the the, the snowflake or whatever the the insult is on the other side it's just putting down those terms and and not using them especially when they not apply save the criticism for where it matters i appreciate the call Darren okay that's it for me and for the Jennifer Campbell Show today, we'll be back at 9.05 tomorrow morning. Hopefully you're tuning in. The Mike Farwell Show is next. We'll go to the news. But that's it for me. See you later.